podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. He's got his strong beliefs. My love has got no money. He's got his strong beliefs. One more and more. People just want more and more. Come and love. What he's looking for. One more and more. People just want more and more. Come and love. What he's looking for. Free from desire. Hello and welcome back to the Big Strong Leicester Boys podcast. Where, yeah, three points finally. Um, it's been a long time coming, hasn't it? Dean Smith's first win as the Leicester City manager. Leicester, we'll have to see how long for, but moving out of the relegation places for now, a 2 1 win over Wolves at the weekend. We head into a really, you know, important run of games. Leeds up next, and those games against Fulham and Everton. And that was the perfect way to get those four games going. So, look, delighted to say. Um, we've got a win to talk about, but even more delighted to say we've got Jack, Rick and Jordan on the podcast uh, today. Quick mention as well, delighted to say as well, we've got Darren Eady, former Leicester winger, uh, joining us in about 10 or so minutes time. Of course, Darren, best known for his time in Norwich, which where, of course, Dean Smith has been most recently at. So we want to hear uh, all about Dino uh, from Darren. He's going to join us in about 10 minutes time. But look, let's talk about this win first and foremost. Um, Rick, I'm going to come to you first, mate. Um I didn't think it was particularly pretty, but it felt so, so good when that whistle went at the end. You're talking about me or the football? Um, <laughs> yeah, it, was, <laughs> it wasn't the most um, aesthetically pleasing game, but we battled well. And to be honest, I much prefer watching a performance like that than um, trying to play supposedly better football and not getting a result. That was exactly what we needed uh, in in spells, we played some decent football. Uh, um, it just felt like we knew what was on the line. And for periods of the game, we did toil a little bit. But, you know, once we realised the magnitude of where we were at when we got back to 1-1, we were the far better team second half. Um, so, yeah, I'm just... It just feels so good, doesn't it? Because we were hoping that Dean Smith might um, evoke something. But, yeah, until we got that first win... It was a pipe dream to actually think about staying up, but we've got a chance now. It's in our hands, isn't it? That's the beauty of it, my friends. Um, it really is. <laughs> um, Jack, as I said, it, it wasn't particularly pretty. And I thought uh, the first half, I thought we were really quite bad and, and fortunate to to go in level, if I'm if I'm brutally honest. But the parts, well, there was plenty, though, from the performance that I did like in the end. And there was that fighting spirit. And I can't help but feel that a few weeks ago, when we had either the caretakers or or Brendan, we would have lost that game. I, I do think that that Dean did get a reaction out of those players, and as I said, there were elements about that which I really, really liked about that performance. Not so much the football, but the fact that they did grind that out when they really had to. Yeah, it was it was different to what we were what we used to. I thought um, first five minutes, I thought we were electric. Uh, Tete had quite a good chance. Vardy squared it to him. Um, uh, unlucky not to score, probably. But then after that, it was it was really poor. Obviously, Yuri made a mistake, um, which was disappointing. And I think after about thirty five minutes, I sent a message saying, "Can you just end the season now? Because I know which way it's going." But um, Ian Acho uh, sets up Vardy, who actually you know put shift in the first half and, and did do one or two things that that were quite useful, but. Um, second half, I thought we played some decent stuff. I thought there were some really good performances from from a couple of people. I think, as you say, I, I agree. It's um, 
there was a lot of battle um, and a bit of fight. I thought, I mean, he's got loads of plaudits today, but I thought Soyuncu was outstanding, got his head on everything, um, was wrestling Diego Costa, uh, looked like he'd, he'd never been. I mean, to be honest, I think that's one of his best performances for us in, in total. But, um, you know, the, the noise when that second goal went in was just was just so, so good. Um, I haven't heard the King Power that noisy in a very, very long time. So, um, so yeah, there's there's lots to build on, as you say, like a, a really big week this week, two massive games coming up. Yeah, no, that performance from Cags, I thought just oozed class. I really did think he did. And that, that battle against Diego Costa clearly relished it. So, yeah, really enjoyed him. And we'll talk about some of the other individuals. Um, but Jordan, as far as that mistake goes, and look, we don't want to dwell too much on the negatives, but you know, when Yori gives that away and, and, and we're punished for it, you know, as Jack said, he kind of thinking, well, here we go again. Um, and in my mind, I'm sat there thinking about the podcast, thinking, right, what's the title? You know, Leicester City, the, the gift that keeps on giving. And, you know, it's felt that all season that, you know, we give away and the, these goals and we're punished for them, which feels like every single time. And and ordinarily, it will so far this season, more often than not, we've, we've then really struggled to get our heads up and, and back into the game. Um, and look, as I, as I touched on at the start, I actually thought that we, we then did really struggle after we did let that goal in. I don't think the performance was very good, but but clearly whatever Dino did say to them at half time worked because the the difference in that second half performance from the first was chalk and cheese. Because yeah, at, at half time I sat there thinking, this this ain't great. Still, you know, I'm I'm still really incredibly concerned. But you know, whatever he did say at half time clearly did work, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, I have to to clarify. I wasn't at the the game yesterday. It was at uh, Chelsea's wedding. So um, when Wolves went one nil up. We were all we were outside at that point, but you had that sinking feeling again. Um, and I don't know who was on co-coms for the highlights I watched, but she blamed Fez for the goal and didn't even mention that Yori gave the ball away twenty yards out really? or twenty five yards. Out. And and she said, "Oh, Fez, you know, John Terry would be disappointed with Fez for turning his back." I thought well, he didn't have a chance. Like Yori's give the ball away. What's he supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, to come back from behind, I can't remember the last time when we did come back from behind. Um, you know, like I say, I've seen the highlights, spoke to people who, who were there. It, it sounded like Soonchu uh, and Samari in the second half were colossus. Um, and I've been very critical of Samari. Um, I feel a bit for Yori in terms of, you know, he, he's at fault for that goal. But he scored some absolute screamers this season in games, you know, one against Wolves away that have got his points and he's come back into the team and he's, uh, he, he looks a bit, a bit weighty. He, he looks weighty at the best of time. So when he's been he out, does, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you say, whatever Dean has said and half time has clearly worked. And, you know, when I've seen the, the winner, you've got your left back crossing to your right back to score and look like the two highest players on the pitch. And, you know, that, sort of slow, ponderous football that we were playing under Rodgers before he got sacked, you wouldn't have seen the two fullbacks that high. Uh, and, you know, I'm a big fan of Castagna, so I was delighted for him when he scored. You could see what it meant to him when he scored. Um, also nice to see Riyad comment on, it, on his uh, on his tweet underneath. Um, but, I mean, it, it's a start. That's all it is. I did feel like if we won yesterday, it would give us a huge chance of getting someone at Leeds and if we can beat Leeds, leapfrog them and then Everton at home on Monday night and from what I'm told the atmosphere was the best it's been 
yeah, it was since the Champions League days. Um, my dad said one of the Wolves fans said on the way out, it's the best home atmosphere he's seen all season. And it's very rare you can say that about the King Power, but it needs to be like that for the running because um, that's going to give us an extra boost. And, you know, fair play to Smith because when I saw that, that lineup, and I think when most people saw that lineup, I just thought, what on earth are we playing here? Like, it looked like I'd almost picked the team out of the hat, especially the front four or five. And, and it's worked. And, it, you know, it doesn't matter how we play. It's just about getting those points on the board and um, huge start. And, and we've got to get something now at Ellen Road. Yeah, I mean, we cannot understate just how important that win was because, you know, psychologically, if we'd lost that home game again against a team like Wolves, I, I honestly not not entirely sure we, we would have then recovered from that for the rest of the season. Look, I'm, I'm conscious Darren's going to join us uh, very shortly. But, Rick, before we, we do, I want to then kind of talk about Sumare because he has received lots of plaudits. I mean, I found it once again a little bit bizarre and look, I'm more than happy for you guys to disagree with me. But I thought first half in particular, he was absolutely awful again. I really did think he was. You know, I thought that we were so easy to play around and play through. He just never really seemed close enough to, to where he needed to be. But then in the second half, he was absolutely outstanding. And, and that's kind of been the frustration, isn't it? I'm, I'm thinking, you know, a performance that we've mentioned and talked about before with Sumari was the Napoli game at home last season, where he was kind of similar, where he was outstanding in, in one half. And I'm just waiting for him to, to deliver me 90 minutes and to do it, you know, back-to-back games and, and then again and again, because, you know, we've all been very critical of him and, and I have in particular, you know, but he was outstanding in that second half. But... I don't want to just have one of these situations where we say, oh, he had a good second half, and then he goes back to kind of being not useless. But do you know what I mean? You know, I now need him to really kick on from this because clearly, once again, he has shown that there is a player there. Yeah, um, I think you're right. We can't pretend that first half he was excellent because none of them really were for Leicester. We were being overrun. I mean, Smith was essentially playing 4-2-4. Uh, Telemans was having a bit of a stinker in the first half as well. So... I don't think Samari was necessarily poor in the first half. He just, we were getting played through quite easily. Um, and there was still a couple of moments first half. I think he, he released Ianacho for one of the, one of his runs. Um, but second half, like that's the Samari that we need. You know, the amount of times under Rogers that you could actually hear Rogers and his staff saying, Booba, run, 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 because they were actually having to tell him to do the basics. And yet he was doing that second half. And I don't know whether Smith and, and Shaky and JT were having to do that, but I don't think they were. And what impressed me the most about him yesterday, he, he got booked on about, what, half an hour, 60 minutes. And I thought, oh, he's just starting to really get into the game as well. But I worry now. We were we were well in on top. And if he made a stupid challenge, he was gone. And I thought, is he going to either get dragged or is he going to just sort of shrink? And he got better. He got more energetic. He got better in the tackle. I mean, he dribbling out of defence uh, was from you know from the defence into midfield and it was unbelievable. You know that's what we were told we were getting, um, and we've seen scant evidence of it. But yeah, it's one half, um, and he's had he play he put a masterclass on at, away at West Ham before the World Cup, um, and then there's nothing. So he's got to follow it up, but it's there, and the fact that they've picked him. I I was so shocked that they picked him yesterday because I didn't feel like he was on their radar. I wouldn't have thought he was the player they'd want. 
And yet, having thought about it, the quick transition, being able to get the ball forward, he is, isn't he? He's better than Ndidi at doing that. He's probably better than Mendy at doing that as well. So let's just hope he can kick on from this. You know, he's obviously a bit of a mercurial character. Said that word wrong. Um, But, yeah, they need to coerce him into a bit of confidence, motivation, whatever. You know, Madison, after the game on the socials, was was praising him. And there's a player in there. There is. And, you know, he's got such a unique game that we, you know, that we need to get the best out of him. But it was great to see. He was. Him and Soyuncu were just... That second half, you know, under pressure, our players have shrank for months, and both of them have been peripheral players. It's they didn't care about it, did they? They were like they they were happy to just to take the ball by the horn. So yeah, long may it continue. Follow it up Tuesday, um, but it was great to see. Yeah, no, it really was. Bibi Samare, hopefully. Um, finally, finally, we're starting to see what kind of player we've we, we've got there. Um, look, still to come, we will do um, who are you? Um, and, of course, then look ahead to, to Leeds United, a fairly quick turnaround on that one. But delighted to say now, uh, we're joined by the former Leicester City man and uh, Norwich winger, the brilliant Darren Eady. Uh, Darren, hello, mate. How are we doing? I'm very well, Jake. How are you, you big, long, ugly thing? <laughs> yeah. Cheers, mate. Uh, I'm very well. Um, I'm very well indeed. Um, yeah, so we probably allude to the fact you don't, you don't come on all shows and, and podcasts and just abuse the host straight away. We, we, we do know each other. We've known each other for quite a while. Yeah, we have. And, and uh, I don't know if the guys who are watching as well and, uh, still know that Jake was supposed to have a Timo Puki tattoo on his arse cheek because um, he said that Timo wouldn't score 10 goals in the Premier League and he's still not carried that through. Um, so every time I see him, I do remind him of that fact. Um, he's absolutely bottled it. I was with you when he um, when he scored his tenth goal as well, Jake, and you were you were about to delete Twitter and throw your phone in the river. <laughs> right. So yeah, I should probably add context to this one. I knew you were going to say this as well, and I was actually in half a mind to not get you on because I knew you were going to throw me under the bus <laughs> once again. So when Norwich got promoted back to the Premier League, not last time, it was the time before, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's a few years ago now. So and then, and then Pookie scored something like six or, or seven in his his first what eight or nine and yeah stupidly when I was doing another show with with Darren I said that that Pookie wouldn't score ten and if he did I'd get a tattoo of him on my backside but and there is something key here COVID then happened Darren shaking his head I was genuinely I was genuinely going to get the tattoo I really was but then COVID happened. And there was a big long break, and then I just decided that it really kind of wasn't worth it then because people had lost interest in the bet, and I just thought it's quite a commitment getting that on your backside, isn't it? If then people aren't bothered anymore. No Mate, I've I've lost interest. I'm still bringing it up years later, so there's still interest there, mate. You're the one who's deflecting it. <laughs> right. Okay. Maybe I'll make another equally stupid bet at some point, and actually. Um, and, and follow through with it as long as there's not another global pandemic. But look, let's talk about um, Leicester. And, and in particular, Darren, I want to talk about Dean Smith. Because, yeah. um, you know, you're, you're a Norwich City legend. You still live and work in Norwich. Um, so you know Dean very well. We got our first win at the weekend with, with Dean Smith now as the manager. And look, you know, as you'll be fully aware, it's been a, a bit of a god-awful season for us. And it, it was a bit of a shit show, to be honest, when the, the managerial change happened because nobody seemed to know what on earth um, we were doing, really. And, and when Din, Dean did come in, it 
it was a little bit underwhelming. We, we, we won't lie. And I think that's fair. Um, but what we have seen in the last couple of games has been encouraging. But um, yeah, we, we, I'm just interested to kind of get your take on what your thoughts were when, when first of all, Dean came in and, and then also what you know of the guy having you know, spent quite a lot of time with him in, in Norwich over the last, what, 18 months or so. Well, I can, from first of all, I can totally understand the underwhelming feeling from, from Leicester fans because when a manager gets sacked from a club in the Championship, you don't expect them to be taken over uh, a Premier League hunt, uh, survival bid. And, and that's essentially what it was for Leicester. It was, it was a massive job for him. But the one thing I would say for Dean Smith was um, he took inherited a team at Norwich, which he clearly didn't want at the time, um, struggled um, after Daniel Fark had already been sacked. And we've seen since that David Wagner's gone in and struggled as well. So ultimately, you know, there's only so much you can do as a manager with the group of players you've got. And I think that's that's showing at the moment in terms of Norwich's form as well. So, you know, I think the one big thing Dean Smith didn't have was the connection with the supporters that, that Farker had. But that's just his personality. He's a very different personality. Norwich had such a successful time under, under Fark. Um, that he was very emotional with the fans. He would get up and sort of, you know, do the wave and stuff for them, the little players up to the fans after a game. And Dean Smith was almost the opposite, kind of old school manager, you know, stood back from that, um, kind of stood back from the fans. Um, so it was enough to do with his managerial qualities, I don't think. It was just the quality of the players he had wasn't good enough to be able to, to make a difference at Norwich um, and the relationship with the fans. So I was surprised to see him step back in so quickly in such a big job. Um, but I have to say, I think, I'm, I'm sure you've probably already talked about it. I th I'm sure a big factor in that was, was shaky in the background um, after the history that he already has with Leicester. So I think looking at it as the bigger picture, it was, it was a smart move on Leicester's, Leicester's behalf to get someone in who knows the club straight away in terms of his backroom staff and assistant in shaky and, and hopefully he hits the ground running. Um, that's the type of thing when the club's struggling, you need someone like that who's going to... Um, kind of galvanise the, pe the people already there, you know, regular face that people already know at the football club. Um, and, and he's you know, they've got success already. And I'm sure that will be down to Dean Smith, but it will also be down to Shaky on the training ground, kind of galvanising those players he already knew from, from the past. Um, and just trying to get back that kind of, um, I guess, feel-good feeling that, that Leicester would have had during those really good times. Um, look, we all know it's going to be tough. I, I watch Leicester from afar. My dad's a, a massive Leicester fan. He was born and bred in Leicester. So when I signed there, he was... It was absolutely buzzing. So I, I've got history in Leicester and I, and I love my time there. It just wasn't long enough. Um, so it, it was, it's been difficult to watch this season. Um, it has been really difficult to watch, as I'm sure as for every single Leicester fan. Um, but I've always felt they've got the quality to get out of it. But it did need that change. I, I think it was the right thing to do. I, doesn't, I don't believe one second Brendan Rodgers is, is a poor manager. He's going to walk into another fantastic job. But it needed that change just to, just to ignite something within those group of players. Um, and hopefully drag themselves out of it. And the quality they've got, you, you look throughout the squad, there's some real quality there. Lots of injuries this season. Um, and when you're getting those sort of key players back, um, you get a couple of results. Um, things seem to look a lot better. And, and for me at the minute, as I say, I think, I think a lot of the work would be done on the training field with Shaky behind the scenes, um, making this, this group tick for as long as it can to, to get themselves out of trouble. Yeah, it's interesting, Darren, what you said about the, the fans' relationship with the manager because... You know, again, with, with my association with, with Norwich, you know, I know that how much the, the Norwich fans love Daniel Farker, and, and and you know, Dean had that same relationship with, with the Aston Villa fans, and yeah. you know, and, and you can look kind of around all the clubs, and you know, I'm already feeling, and I haven't mentioned this to the lads, I'd be interested to get their take on it, 
some kind of similarities between like a Nigel Pearson character and a, and a Dean Smith. And you know, Nigel Pearson was such a good fit at Leicester. And, and sometimes managers can be just good fits to certain clubs. Um, and it's weird with with, with Brendan, in, in complete honesty, Darren, because he was here for what four years mm. and was very successful. And you can make arguments that he's one of our most successful ever managers, but there never really felt like a huge connection between the, the manager and, and the fan base, you know. And, and already, you know, after you know one home game, the fans are, are chanting Dean Smith, and we we very very rarely did that for, for Brendan. And then you, you mentioned that, that Dean maybe ne- never really had that connection with the Norwich fans, and yeah. you know, it makes it makes such a difference, doesn't it, a football club when you have that that link and, and that bond between the the, the manager and the fans. It, it makes a big difference. Yeah, but that, that only comes from results. If Dean Smith had gone and lost all of his games since he's been there, they wouldn't be singing his name. Um, the fact he's got a reaction and they've got a couple of results changes things. So, uh, look, it, I, I totally agree that, but it's not just players. You know, sometimes uh, it's not just managers. Sometimes players fit a club, and likewise, a club will fit a player. Um, you know, we, we look at Harry Kane as a great example of that. Someone who's been around everywhere, came to Norwich, went to Leicester, Forest, was absolutely awful. Looked like he'd never played football before goes back to Spurs and now he's achieves what he has. So sometimes it does just click and it does just fit. Um, but you have to kind of, it's a bit of a puzzle, you know, you have to put the pieces together and hope they all go in the right order and you, and you get all the right pieces in the right place. But I don't think Dean Smith's going to be this tactical genius um, he's gone into, but what he will do with, with Shaky is galvanise the group of players that he's had there previously. And I think that's that's been a big factor in the decision of bringing him in. I think if Dean Smith hadn't had Shaky with him, I'm not sure he would have got the job. I honestly don't. I, I believe it's such a big part, um, and I think we all know how much of an influence Shaky had over in, in the in the title winning team and and uh, with Ranieri. So I think it was inevitable with Dean Smith alongside him that that was the right option for them at the time. I, I don't believe for a second if Dean Smith would have had another backroom staff that he would be in a job. I I, I really believe that. Yeah, and I think as well with with John Terry, that's a huge factor because John didn't went didn't go with him to Norwich, did he? No, he didn't. Um, but again, a, a massive character that players are immediately going to respect and look up to. And I think when you're in a in a battle down the bottom of the Premier League, when you've got, I wouldn't say big egos, but you're dealing with big players, you're dealing with Premier League players that have actually won big trophies. You know, you, you need someone who's going to have that charisma to go in there and shake things up a little bit and actually be able to, to potentially shout and ball at them a little bit. And, and, you know, they can't turn around and go, well, what have you done? Because they've done it all. So, you know, you get that immediate reaction and, and John Terry more than anybody will get that. And, and actually, the one place I'm hearing you guys speak before that Le- Le- Leicester have struggled this season is defensively, probably more than anything. And, you know, there's no better influence to have in the dressing room than someone like John Terry kind of, you know, giving his best thoughts on how he thinks can, things can improve. And, 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 and sometimes that's not a tactical thing. That's just, as a central defender, that good old kind of, like you were, Jake, that horrible, nasty <laughs> centre-half. <laughs> <laughs> the most timid centre half in midlife, Jake. By the way, um, yeah. but no, you know, too it, nice. <laughs> yeah, yes. But to have those those kind of players around you in the dressing room, um, this stage is exactly what they need. It'd be interesting to see come the end of the season if Leicester do stay up, which you know I think they will, and I hope they will. Um, what they do? Do they offer Dean Smith a longer contract? I mean, I don't know what what you guys have been thinking about that. Is that something that you kind of hear around the club? The whispers are if he keeps them up, he will get the job job longer term. Yeah, I don't think we, we we've heard that. I think you know, of course, you know, if if he does keep them up, there's there's got to have then have a a conversation at the end of it. But there don't appear to be any kind of obligation. But yeah, it all depends, doesn't it, on how things go between now and the and the rest of the season. Um, Jack, what did you want to ask, Darren? Um, I, when you were talking about charismatic managers, Darren, it it, it mm. twigged a thought in my mind. So you obviously played under 
Martin O'Neill, who funnily enough was was linked with the job a while back, but obviously absolute legend at, at Leicester and, and the football club. And I just wondered what it was like to play for him and um, if you've got any stories about sort of his management style and, and the dressing room. How long have you got? I mean, he's one of those <laughs> managers is just... Um, I, I've got a huge amount of time for him. I was at Norwich as a young kid when he came in from Wickham, um, did really well. Uh, we were sitting pretty in the Championship looking to get back into the Premier League. He then buggered off to Leicester, didn't he? So, um, and then, you know, it, it always tracked me. It always kept in touch um, in my time when I was playing at, at Norwich. And I think it's inevitable when Norwich were financially struggling at the time, they're going to go into administration. Um, he jumped on it straight away. And, and obviously I became the, the record signing at the time. And, and I remember my, I actually remember my medical at the football club. And I'd had operations on my knee before. And the physios and, and all that were in there, the surgeons were there, and I had all the scans and everything. They said, look, he could play for another 16 years, six years, or, you know, six months. We, we don't know with his knee. So he has had issues, but we, we don't really know. Um, and Martin just turned around and said, I don't care. I want to sign him. So it was, it was that kind of confidence he installed in players. But he wouldn't, it wasn't just that. He, he would know how to treat different players as well. Um, he would put his arm around those ones he felt needed it, like Steve Guppy. You know, literally, he couldn't do anything wrong. When there was other players, he, he absolutely hated them, but he would hammer them every single day. But he would get the best out of them on the pitch because they wanted to almost prove him wrong. So he knew how to deal with this, you know, different types of characters within the dressing rooms. And he was a manager that you'd ever only ever see on a Friday, you know, Friday and, and the weekend. And I liked that. I liked as a as a player. I liked a bit of distance between my manager and, and the squad. I think sometimes if the manager's there every single day. There becomes a little bit of familiarity and familiarity breeds contempt, as they say. And I felt, you know, you kind of lose that little edge. But Martin O'Neill, for me, stayed away at the right times. And when he turned up on a Friday, um, you know, we all kind of were, were on our toes and, and ready to perform for him at a weekend. But yeah, he was a, he was a, I wouldn't say a strange character, but you could certainly see the influence he had from, um, from Brian Clough, without a doubt. And as did Paul Lambert, who then followed, you know, alongside Martin O'Neill. It was, it was um, amazing to watch the, the kind of progression of those three and almost be clones of each other. Um, but Martin was, Martin was, uh, I remember when I first signed actually, I think we were, we were playing Leeds away and um, I'd literally just signed. So the team were already in the hotel. So I had to go up with the, the, the physio, Paul Franklin at the time was actually involved with Leicester. I had to drive up with Paul Franklin up to Leeds to meet the team to play the game the next day. And we drove up to the hotel and we sort of get into the hotel and the lads were already in having their, their sort of evening meal. So I went through, said hello to the lads, and I'm looking around thinking, where's the manager? Surely he's got to be. I'm a new signing. You don't think he's... So I said, well, where is he? And bear in mind, this was like, this is Yorkshire. It was in the middle of, I think it was, well, it must have been January, February, so it's like December when I signed. So it, it, was, it was like dark outside. I remember it like lightning and thunder, raining was lashing down. It's horrendous outside. I said, where's the, where's the gaffer? And he said, he's, um, he's gone out in a taxi to the Yorkshire Ripper's house. And I'm going, What? But that was the type of thing he did. So he, he got a taxi from the hotel to where the Yorkshire Ripper lived. So I kind of got the taxi to leave him there for about an hour or so, so he could kind of take it all in. And then got a taxi back to the hotel later. So it's just those... But that, obviously, you know, I think there's, there's been stories about him sitting in the dock on different cases and stuff like that. So he's so interested in the psychological side of, of humanity. And I think he brought that certainly into his management skills um, in dealing with different people and different characters. And that's what I liked about him so much, because he was just a man manager, you know, he'd treat everybody different. Sometimes you get a manager that looks, you know, I'll treat everybody the same. I like the ones actually, you know, he looked into me and see what I needed to get the best out of me um, as he did others. And that, that could be a bollocking, that could be putting his arm around you. But that, that, that was certainly 
an eye opener. I mean, he's just, he was just a brilliant character. You know, I, there's there's some stories I can't tell from from trips away. The, the, the infamous trip when we got caught in La Manga, um, when I think it was the physio had a fifty pound note stuck on his forehead in the forest thing, which was let off by Stan Collymore. Um, all these things were going on in the hotel, and then because he wasn't there at the time, but he said, "Yeah, you can have a go out, but don't don't be stupid." And um, you know, saying that to a, like Jerry Taggart and Neil Lennon and Sav and Muzzy and 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 uh, you know Steve Walsh and uh, Matty Elliott, it's just like red rag to a bull, and you can't tell them not to go out and not be stupid. Um, so, as you can imagine, it all got a bit out of hand, and then it, obviously it was all over the press the next day. And, and he was then Martin Neil was then flying out. So he flew out to the, and we were all put in this like seminar room waiting for him. We all sat there, all hung over from the night before. And then we had to have this team meeting because we knew it all kicked off and literally bashed the doors open. These sort of, these two doors had his sort of suit jacket on, threw it onto the floor. And I've never seen players like Matty Elliott, Jerry Taggart, Steve Walsh look in fear with their eyes, but they had it that day. I've never seen anything like it. He went, he got stuck into every single player in there. And, and I feared. I almost thought he was going to have a heart attack at one point because he, he just didn't stop. And it was one of those moments where you think, you know, this, this is, this is a, a bit of a moment in our careers. But um, obviously, we then went on to win the, the Cup at the end of that year as well, the League Cup. Um, but I even remember when we got back to the, back to the airport, they sort of, they sort of um, put us in a coach and drove us out the back way of the airport because they didn't want all the press taking pictures when we went through. And, and it's one of those coaches that had the black windows, so they couldn't take pictures. But... Um, <laughs> As we're driving out of the exit, the rear exit, there was still loads of press on their um, on their, their, their like um, step ladders and stuff like that, and all these flashes start going off, and you think, bloody hell, there's loads of press here as well. Um, and I remember sitting next to Muzzy or opposite Muzzy at the time, and I think there was pictures of it in the papers the next day. Muzzy's like flicking the V's and sticking his finger up to him at the window because he thinks they can't see. But they had this black window penetrating flashes that would get through that, and he didn't realise. And obviously, that then came out in the press the next day as well that we uh, sort of, you know, <laughs> didn't care and all this. But it was, um, yeah. Look, I, I, I often talk about the, the year I played in at Norwich and Leicester, and for me, that, that for me was like football at its most purest. I think there was enough protection for players, but you could also have a proper tackle. Um, there was, there was, you know, you look at the, the game now. If it's not goals you're scoring. There's nothing really else to, to get you up as a crowd. Whereas back in the day, a little bit, you know, a good tackle or something like that would get the crowd lifted again and get every, you know, there's, there's that kind of drive you need as players to get going again. So I, I feel as if I played in the era where the Premier League was at its best, if you can say that. I mean, I'm sure the modern day fan might disagree because they'll, they'll think, you know, they want to watch this beautiful football. But sometimes um, 90s football, in Premier League football, when you're playing the likes of United with Cantona and stuff like that, and Giggs and Beckham and Skulls, it was just ridiculous. And, and then you got the, you know, the invincibles of, um, of Arsenal as well. Um, and I actually remember getting sent off there as well. I got two yellow cards at Arsenal in the cup for Leicester. And um, I actually stayed on the pitch for about five minutes. It's only because they, they were the first one to have a TV screen up in the corner. And it came up on there and it had Edie and two yellow cards next to it. So all their players were like, ref, look, look on the ball. He didn't know. He missed the first year of booking, so then obviously got sent off. But then we went through and we beat him in the in the, the second leg at our place and went through and obviously won the cup that year. Jordan. Darren, um, thanks for joining us, mate. You mentioned uh, earlier that, you know, your, your time at Leicester just wasn't long enough. Um, I mean, obviously, you, you had the worst look with injuries. Um, I think these days it might have been a bit different with all the technology available. It uh, might have helped, but... I just wanted to ask you, because a lot's been made of our injury record 
Um, mm. And a lot of it was kind of leveled at Rogers. You know, we've got a Seagrave um, training facility, which is absolutely incredible. But you've got the likes of Justin, Ricardo, who has just got the worst look with injuries. But mentally, you touched on like what, what O'Neill said about the psychological aspect. How, like, what is it like? How hard is it when you keep getting injured and you keep getting setbacks mentally? Um, and, you know, Tielemans came back in the team yesterday. He's been out and was at fault for the goal. I mean, I imagine it, it just can't be easy. And especially for Ricardo, I think he's done his A, he's broke his leg, done his ACL, mm-hmm. done his Achilles, and now his hamstring's playing up. I mean, it just it's just like a, a litany of, of uh, injuries that he keeps getting, and it's not the same one. Yeah, it's, it's horrific. When you, when you have a serious injury, something like that, you, you come back into a team and you almost, not over-protect it, but you, you almost force yourself to test it almost. And, and you kind of use different muscles and obviously then other things start to hurt. And you can, it's like when you get a dead leg, isn't it? You, you get a dead leg and you play the next game, you guarantee you're going to get smashed on the dead leg. It's just one of those things. Um, it, psychologically, it's, it's really difficult to deal with. The hardest part is just not feeling part of it. You know, whether the team's winning or losing, it's just feeling isolated in terms of not being around the squad because you 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 know you're in separate rooms, you're training differently, you're not travelling away. Um, psychologically, it's, it's, you feel you feel very isolated, and, and I think that's the hardest part to, to kind of get over for a player with a long-term injury. Um, uh, it takes it does take strength, it takes mental strength to get through it, but that's only time that can do that. Um, but the one thing I would say, the only the only regret I probably had at Leicester when I'd have my 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 final injury, which kind of finished my career, when I was told you basically can't play anymore, and I woke up in the room and the surgeons were there, my my wife at the time and the physio was there, um, the club doctor was there, my agent was there, and I'm thinking this is a bit strange all in here. And obviously they turned around and said your career's over. I mean I'd had 22 operations I think on my knee at the time, and I'm like, well I've had 22 before, 23 will be all right. So to be told from one day to the next you're a, you're a Premier League footballer, so then you're not, your career's over, um, was like a, just a massive, I don't know, you, you, you kind of lose your sense of purpose completely. I, I had no idea what I was going to do from one day to the next, and that, that was the most difficult part. But it's, um, yeah, it's a, really, it's a really tough time to deal with. But I think if, if, you, if you're mentally strong, the, the biggest, as I said, the biggest thing I, it's not a regret, but I, at the time I remember them saying to me, you could have the same operation again um, with the same outcome. Um, but you could do that and it would take another, it'd be another 18 months before you're remotely fit. And I was 28 at the time and I was in a lot of pain from the first operation. And I'd had, psychologically, I'd been damaged from it. And I was on this machine called a compact machine, which used to bend my knee. I literally lay down on a, on this this platform sort of thing. And it was just to, just literally bend my knee like that all for eight hours a day straight. And I'm like, this is mentally destroying me. And I couldn't do it. And I, I couldn't fear, I couldn't face the fear of, having to do that again with potentially having the same outcome. So for me, it was like, I'll, I'll give it, I'll sack it off. I can't do it anymore. I can't possibly do that. But looking back on it now, I probably wish I would have maybe done it. But, you know, we all have regrets on it. Whether it made any difference or not, I don't know. But um, I would say for them, just just to try and keep themselves in and around the players as much as they can. Don't isolate themselves. Um keep mixing with the lads, uh, feeling part of the group. And, and that's down to the football club as well to make sure that happens. Um, don't let him just be in a treatment room. Don't let him just be in the gym. Get him in when the other lads are in at the same time. Get him out on the training pitch to watch and be around them and have a laugh and a joke with them and, and take him on away trips and stuff as well. Be part of it. Um, you know, so I think psychologically that can that can help because it is when you first come back, it's, it's really difficult. I never had the opportunity to do that. But obviously I came back from lots of other injuries and um, 
yeah, it takes a bit of time to, you're talking probably at least a dozen, 15, 20 games before you feel back to yourself, remotely back to yourself, before you feel like you were before you got the injury. Rick? Yeah, Darren, um, I just wanted to, uh, touching on what Jack said about Martin O'Neill, I want to ask you about uh, a probably polar opposite in Leicester City's eyes, Peter Taylor. Um, now, you probably played more <laughs> under Taylor, did you, than than Martin? Um, uh, I f- remember you got the winner at um, Upton Park. I think it was the first time we, we won there in years. Um, but, yeah, I remember you'd had a bit of a run there and we, we got to the top of the league and everything was hunky-dory, wasn't it? And then, sadly, we probably... He put us in a similar situation to what Rogers has done. Uh, hopefully, though, Smith will save us as opposed to um, to Dave Bassett and Mickey Adams. But yeah, what was it like under Taylor? Was he as bad as what we probably think he is? Or well, well, first of all, what I would, what I would say is um, you can look at Brendan Rogers potentially taking him in a similar direction, but but I think there's different causes. I think Brendan Rogers had injuries and other factors. I think the biggest factor we had. Under Peter Taylor, was he was signing players like Junior Lewis um, and and Trevor Benjamin and and players like that, you know, lovely lads, but were never <laughs> Premier League players. And that's not been disrespectful yeah. for them, but they were never at the level where we were competing at the top of the Premier League when he took over. You know, being that team up and around, sort of fifth and sixth in the Premier League on a regular basis, to then signing those players, and they were never ever going to be good enough. Um, and that was the fact there. That Peter Taylor was. I, I played under Peter Taylor for England under twenty ones as well. Um, and actually, was, he was a big factor in getting me into the full England squad with, with Glenn Hoddle. Um, from, so, so that progression. So, but Peter Taylor was a very good manager of younger lads. I think he was very good with the under 21s um, on a basis where you'd come in and you'd see him for a week or so in terms of a training camp and then playing a game. Very knowledgeable on the game. He was, he was a bit of a character that liked to get involved and be your mate. Um, but he could not handle big characters and he could not. Um, deal with the likes of, like I said before, the Jerry Taggarts, the Neil Lennons, the, the, the Elliots, the, you know, the Steve Walsh's. He just he didn't have it in him. Um, he, he kind of wanted to be their friend at times, but also he didn't help himself. He, when he came in, he called a few of those sort of players that have been around a long time, um, important players, um, and tried to change things quite quickly with those players that weren't good enough. And I, I always had a lot of time for Peter Taylor in terms of my England career, but as, as, a, as a manager of, of Leicester, I, I can't. Look, he, he wasn't great. Um, you know, he he, was, he struggled. Um, I think his entire time he was there. Um, the, the biggest one for me was again. I, I, I Martin O'Neill was always very honest. If you played under Martin, he would tell you how he's feeling and when he's going to do it, and if he's not going to do it, whether you liked it or not. You know, you might not you might disagree with him, but he would he would tell you what he felt. Peter Taylor's a bit different. And I remember I had a particular, I'd been out for a couple of weeks at Leicester with a, only just a minor, I think it was a hamstring, tiny hamstring tear or something like that. So I missed a couple of games. No, actually, it was to do one of my knee injuries, but I was playing and I was still playing with my knee, but it was fine. I could play with it, but I needed something like just a, a cartilage trim, like a, a clear up in my knee, which had only taken a couple of weeks or so. And I remember, I can't remember what game it was, but he, he, he came to me, spoke to me after training and said, um, Look, I know you need this operation. Um, but I need you this weekend. You know, when, you, you're playing on it to make sure you're right. Um, you know, just just be strong for me, and we'll get it sorted out afterwards. But I really need you this weekend. And and then yeah, so I'm like, yeah, it's nice to be wanted. Do you know what I mean? I, I wanted to play. Um, and I could always play. And then come, I think it was the Friday. Um, he named the team, and I wasn't even in the squad. 
And I was like, just mugged me right off. And it was just I just little things like that, I think, that just got to me. And it's like, you just lose that little bit of respect for someone when they treat you in that manner. And I think that's where he, he did that. And I don't think it came out of malice. I think it came out of wanting to try and keep everybody happy. Um, but in football, you can't do that. You've got to be honest with your players, whether they like it or not. Um, you know, don't tell someone they're going to be playing at the weekend and then not have them in the squad at the weekend when he could have gone in for an op, you know, a week earlier and got it sorted out. It was just, it was, it, it was, it was relevant. Yeah. Can you remember as well, this is going to sound funny, but it's my one memory of Peter Taylor. Can you remember he used to wear Leicester City <laughs> club shop gloves? I'm wondering whether <laughs> any of the boys used to take the piss because he was like a walking like, advertisement for like, they're the worst gloves ever. They had yeah, like LCFC on the. They were incredible. Yeah, the players yeah. wear it at the same yeah, time. Yeah, blue and white written across. Yeah, it, yeah. But yeah. I swear the players used to wear them as well when it was cold. Yeah, so they, I remember they, they did. A bit, I think Gilfie, it was um, Arnold Larson. I think he used to wear them. Yeah, Zagarakis. I think he used to wear them as well. Um, yeah, there's a few boys, but yeah, the, the biggest thing again, like he, he had this. Like it's only tiny little things, but we can put you off people, can't it? And I remember he was always doing impressions of. Um, um, uh, Norman Wisdom constantly <laughs> and he used to wind the shit out of me I've just I've like, that, it's yeah, funny. yeah it's not even funny do you know what I mean it's like it's a pretend you trip over and you're like you're, this, you're, you're a Premier League football club manager here mate you're not doing Norman Wisdom impressions as you climb onto the training pitch pretending you're falling over it was just it, for me look as I say it wasn't it wasn't a he didn't. He didn't sign the right people. Essentially, he 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 kind of dismantled a, a squad that was still capable. You know, Martin left a very good squad, um, and he dismantled it quite quickly um, and upset a lot of those players. I said who had got that club to where it was um, and tried to put his own stamp on it, which he's, he's entitled to do. But if you're going to do that, you've got to get it right. And and he and he didn't by any stretch of imagination. And and signing those type of players was just, I was astonished. Yeah, I mean, Darren, kind of then bring it back to kind of here and now I mean we've spoken about the injuries a big problem I think which is fair to say for, for Leicester over the last couple of years in terms of our demise has been bad signings as well um, and now it doesn't matter what level of football you play at you know it's Sunday League or um, Premier League football well I want to know what it's like as a Premier League footballer when somebody comes in and you instantly know they're not good enough because if you're playing Sunday League and a lad comes in and you think they're a bit shit it doesn't matter kind of how good of a nice of a bloke they are they kind of never truly then fit into the team do they so so what's it like when you know you mentioned like the junior lewis and trevor benjamin you've you've told me stories about trevor before um but what's it like when these players come in and the players instantly realize they're not up to the level i mean what, how much does kind of that disrupt the the squad harmony and the kind of the banter within a dressing room well massively and you find out within the first training session because the lads start to talk they come in and and, and yeah. speak to be fair to those lads as well, it's, it's not it's not being detrimental to them. Trevor and like Trevor's the loveliest guy I'll ever meet. He's such a nice bloke, but I think even they then themselves realised that this is a different level. So I think they became a bit more. Jesus, what? How am I going to? How am I going to fit in here? And when you've got a club like Leicester as well at the time, you had those type of players like the Neil Lennons, the Elliots, the Taggarts, you know, the Walshes. Um, the Savages, the Muzzy Izzits, you know, the Tim Flowers, um, Tony Cotty, I think it's Hesky. They just showed no mercy. It was like they're, they're brutal lads. They're not going to like put their arm around them. You know, they'll kind of try and G them up and get them going. But they ain't, they ain't, they're, if they're not having them, they're not having them. And you knew within quite quickly the lads start to talk about them. 
um, quite quick, and you could sense it. I felt it when I come in, and I was record signing at the time, and I knew I knew I could fit into the squad, but I felt the pressure of every training session when I first went there to be to be the standout, to be that record signing, because I knew when I came in, I think the wages had gone up as well. So then people started to look for new contracts. Mazzy did and Sav went in, all started knocking on the door because they knew I'd signed. So I felt the pressure of that. Um, so you have to produce, simple as that. Um, because as much as lads will be relatively nice to your face, you know yourself if you're not up to the, to the standard. And I, and I think that probably said a lot. And it didn't cause division in terms of the players, but it's almost like the players could then sense that this is perhaps a bit of an era that's coming to an end. Um, and, and they felt as if those players had the ability to move on and, and, and find other clubs. And they did. You know, Neil Lennon went, Muzzy went, um, Sav went. You know, all these players started to disappear from the squad quite quickly because they're good players and they didn't want to be around something that was being brought in that they didn't feel was good enough. And, and do you know what? Perhaps that's not too dissimilar to the way we look at Leicester at the moment. There's, there's been players that are born that haven't produced and those ones that have been in the squad and and done well over and been great servants for the football club, we're probably now looking at it and thinking, I've been fair enough, I've done my time here, um, it's time for me to move on. I don't think anybody would, would begrudge that either. Um, but <coughs> I always look at Leicester, and I know Leicester's had the, the amazing success they had, but I always looked at traditionally as Leicester and Norwich being a similar type of club in the way they've kind of gone up and down the leagues and produced players and for the youngsters coming through and then sort of, had a bit of a you know roller coaster ride, always ups and downs. I've always looked at them quite similar like that. Um, but you know, Norwich is not winning the Premier League anytime soon. But but what I'm saying is, you know, Leicester have now seem to be having one of those troughs that's going to be going through, um, and that's a really difficult time for the club. I mean, again, we've got the facilities are absolutely fantastic, but you know, I'm, I'm sure you lads would rather us, you know, rather than still be training at Beaver Drive than. Uh, where they are, if the, if the team's producing on the pitch, you know, you'd rather have that. No, mate, and I think you're absolutely right. I think um, there's so many similarities between maybe that transition of, of O'Neill and, and Taylor and some of the things that maybe happened then and, and what we've seen over the last, what, 18 or so months here. Um, look, we'll, we'll let you go very shortly, Darren, mate, but um, and I, I don't know if the lads have got any more questions, but, but do you think Leicester will stay up this season? I know that's a, perhaps a little bit of an unfair question because you're not watching us week in, week out, but what you have seen, do you think Leicester have got enough to do it? And do you think Dean Smith is the right guy to get us over the line? Well, look, my, my dad always gives me a running commentary of, of how Leicester is doing anyway. So I speak to him on a regular basis about the games and I obviously watch him every week on, on Match of the Day as well. So I do I do get enough to see enough of them. And, mm. you know, I've not got just got blue-tinted glasses and I do think they've got enough. Like, you know, I look at the quality they've got in the squad. It, it, look, if you, if Madison keeps producing to the end of the season, you'll be all right. He's such a key player, um, such a key player within that team. Um I think losing Schmeichel was was a massive loss, in, not just in terms of his goalkeeping quality, but the, I think the leadership on the pitch as well. Um, that was probably the biggest loss for me out of everybody. Um, I think they'll stay up, but they've got one hell of a rebuild in the summer. Um, and that's not just, you know, for me, the biggest sign in Leicester can make in the summer is keeping James Madison. But I don't think that's going to happen. You know, he's going to move on. Um, and it then takes a hell of a rebuild because, again, you then get players going right. I've got future clubs to join here. I look at Leicester, who have just survived. The best players are now leaving. Is that a club I want to go to? So it's, it's, it's really difficult recruitment time for Leicester when you finish in the situation which they're going to it and probably, you know, the best player is going to leave. And, and that's, unfortunately, I think the scenario at Leicester probably going to find themselves at the end of the season. But that's where manager and the recruitment team have to earn their corn um, to sign the right players to make sure you can 
not be in that position again next year. So then you can start to attract better players when they feel like you're a secure, you know, Premier League team. Mm. Rick, you got one final question, then we'll let Darren go. Yeah, Darren, how fast, what's your fastest <laughs> you've ever done the 100 metres in? Do you know what? I get asked this a lot and I, I can't, I've never actually timed 100 metres. But I reckon if I wasn't a footballer, um, I reckon if I did like the 60 metres indoors, I reckon I'd win it the, like the World Championships. Only because like, yeah. I remember doing it like at school and there was another lad who was a really good athlete and he used to wear spikes. And I would always do him over 60 metres and then he would always pit me on the line because he was a big, tall, powerful lad. So he'd always dip me on the line, but I'd always do him over 60, 70. Like, that was my game, was that off the mark, that quick stuff. Um, and I remember actually when I came to Leicester when we had the fitness tests and stuff like that, we did the, we had to do the sprint test between the two laser guns and things. And I was, you know, I was by far the, the quickest at the club at the time. And I think, I think it's some, I think it wasn't even far off the fastest in the Premier League. So, um, yeah, I never actually timed 100 metres. If it's 60 metres, I'm world champion. I'll take that. <laughs> I bet you won a few sports days, though, didn't you, in your, in your time? I did, I did, yeah. Wearing my Tottenham kit to run in. Normally, that was the kit I used to run in, so it's like a white kit. Um, but, yeah, that's, it's all about impressing the girls. That's all it's about. <laughs> right, mate. Any more abuse you want to give me Good before man. we let you go? No, Jake, I would never abuse you, mate. You know that. You're a good friend of mine. And um, it's pleased. Actually, on, a, on a serious note, it's pleased to see you doing so well, mate. You know, we've, we've worked a lot together over the years. And I know how hard you work in terms of your dedication, not just with Leicester, but with um, the talk sport and stuff as well. And, and back those days of Mustard TV, we, we carried that station for, for many years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the fact that it's no longer running is um, you know, absolutely no reflection on our broadcasting qualities. That's because we left. It's like the yeah. team leaving, your best players leaving. That's what happens. <laughs> exactly. Look, Darren, mate, um, some brilliant stories, some great insight. Um, absolute pleasure having you on the podcast, mate. So, yeah, really appreciate your time. No worries. Take care. See you, lads. Cheers, mate. Bye. See ya. There we are. So, brilliant. Darren Eady. So, yeah, um, me and Darren, I've worked with Darren for, for years and years, or I certainly did anyway, but known him for years. And an interesting, well, slightly interesting story is because obviously you guys know that I, I grew up in Norwich, um, that's where my childhood was and um, at the time obviously Darren was playing for the first team right and I'm not sure if Leicester do similar things but he used to do this thing called football in the community where you'd, like during the summer there'd be like a summer camp and you'd, you'd go play football for the week and it was one of like the final days they'd take you to the, to the training ground you know, there's an opportunity to, to obviously play a little bit of football and meet some of the players and obviously for me you know what it's like as a kid when you don't support that team but you love football I was kind of begrudgingly going along but didn't really want to be there because, you know, you're a kid and you want to just wear your Leicester shirt everywhere. But anyway, I did it twice. And um, on both occasions, on the final day when I went to the training ground, you had to queue up and have a picture with, with one of the players. And, you know, I, I must be, because me and Darren have actually recreated this picture, I must have been maybe like eight or nine on both of them. And again, when you're at that age, you obviously know the team, but you don't know the, the history of the team you support, do you? So, for instance, in the first ever year I did it, I had a picture of Ewan Roberts. And Ewan had obviously just left Leicester. But, you know, as, as a kid, I had absolutely no idea. So there's a picture of me and Norwich player Ewan Roberts. And then the following year, I then got a picture of Darren Eady, who then ended up being a, you know, a, a Leicester player a year or so later on. So, yeah, the first and only ever two times I did that, I somehow managed to get the only two pictures with, with Leicester links. But look, um, Darren's an absolute legend. Uh, worked with him for years. Absolute top bloke. And yeah, he's still covering Norwich City um, back there working for the football club. Um, and yeah, and I think I can speak for, for all of us of similar ages when, when Darren moved to Leicester. 
what a player he, he, he was and, and really should have been. And unfortunately, as he mentions, I think altogether in the end, it was 24, 25 knee injuries, which is just absolutely horrific, isn't it? And that insight of the pain that he goes through. And again, knowing Darren the way I do, I know that now he can't really run for kind of any more than 15 or so minutes because of the, the pain and the chronic pain he has in his, his knee. So, you know, cycling and, and this, that and the other now is, is, is kind of all he can do. But um, yeah, uh, top bloke is, is Darren Edis. So thanks and I hope everybody appreciated the insights there. Um, Jack, Darren Eady, um it's a shame, wasn't it? He wasn't um, the player that he was at Norwich because actually voted into their Hall of Fame, by the way, and only played 200-odd games. He was outstanding. And, and as he mentioned as well, he got into the England squad but never made a full cap. And, and those injuries just came at the complete worst and wrong time for him. Yeah, I mean, he, it was a big deal when he signed for us as well So because uh, mm-hmm. he was in and around the England squad at the time. Um, yeah, I, I remember the goal he scored at West Ham. And yeah, I remember I remember he used to wear those... Um, the big Lecoq uh, shirts that are always massive on him. Like the collar was yeah. like huge on him as well. Um, like seriously quick player. Do you know one thing? I I, I almost asked him about this, but uh, it, I, I neglected to. You remember the feature they used to do in the club programme? It was like at home with. Um, it's where they used to like tour the players' houses. Yeah. Do, do any of you remember this? Or have I just imagined I, I, I this? I don't know. Okay. Rick will remember it if he turns up because I think Delcy's just turned up. But anyway, I, I vividly remember, and I've still got the program somewhere because Darren Eady had like a, had a, like a, a, almost like a, it was like a punch bag, but it was like a, it was a full head and everything, um, which I was obsessed with and really wanted to get one as a result of it because I thought that would get me fit as a, as a youth. But um, he was obviously doing that because it would, uh, uh, it wouldn't hurt his knee. But, um, but yeah, that was, like uh, those features, like at home with, were unbelievable. I remember at home with Mike Whitlow, and he just walked around the house wearing a wearing a Fox Leisure tracksuit. Um, they they were the best features. They'd never do that now. Um, no, no. But there we go. No, yeah, Slight no, tangent. No, no. I, I remember actually seeing Darren's uh, former house just outside of, of Norwich. Has he still got the punch bag? That's what I want to know. No, I can't remember, but whenever we used to have to like publish articles, you know, when you've got like it's like a Getty Images system, and you'd always go in. I always used to go and pick the really old pictures of Darren, and they did this article in the Eastern Daily Press years and years ago, and it was him, you know, with his sports cars outside the front of his house, and this, that, and the other. And it, yeah, it, it was classic nineties football. But Darren was, you know, as you can, uh, if you remember him, a bit of a kind of a, um, I don't know, like flair player. I don't know. He, he wasn't. Um, yeah, a lovely guy, not a, a bad. Do you know what I mean? I'm not quite sure. Like Spice Boy kind of player. It was, it was almost one of them. But, but, but I was going to say, Jake, that he was a bit flash. I remember yeah, his little... That's, that's um, the word I'm looking for, flash. I remember his little blonde highlights and he used to yeah. wear the white socks before they... You know, every player wears the white socks underneath now. Um, mm. But he'll be pleased because he's not lost his, his good looks, has he? <laughs> not quite as handsome as you, Jake, but he's... He's, he's, not he's still got an unbelievable lid, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, not bad. it's not bad. Um, what was I going to say as well? Yeah, okay, and, and then the bet, right? <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, it was a stupid thing to do, right? And I generally was going to get the tattoo on my backside, but like when two years passes when tattoo parlors were, were closed, it kind of loses momentum, right? I'm sure you can understand why I then thought, so what, maybe I can probably get away with not getting the tattoo. Um, I am actually genuinely stupid enough to make another bet, and I would promise that I would. 
um, go through with it. But I've seen you lads mention that if Leicester stay up, then I'd have to get in. I think I'm, that's a bit, you know, it needs to be a bit more ambitious than that, doesn't it? If I'm going to get someone inked on my backside. Will you get Dean, uh, Dean, Dean Smith with his four-pound haircut on your ass if we stay up? I'll, I'll get a Dean Smith haircut. Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Let's Dean all Smith. have four-pound oh, haircuts. Dean Smith four-pound haircuts haircut. if we all stay up. I'm, I'm going to have a bath full of Bombay mix. I'll spend 500 quid on Bombay mix if we stay up. <laughs> Jordan, what are you going to do? I'm going to have to think about it. I'm going to have to think about it now. Rick's, um, Rick's Trump's is all there, isn't he, with the Bombay mix and his obsession for Indian oh, snacks. No, food. we're all getting the same haircut. We all get the yeah. Dean Smith four-pound haircut. We all, we all, we all go into it's the easy same for me and Rick because I don't think we're that far off it. But No, yeah. that's it. Jordan's fuming. Look, Jake no, no, no. could have a 99p haircut and he'd be all right. My, my modelling career was going to be over. Uh, if I get that, you know, what work am I going to get with <laughs> Dean Smith lit? You <laughs> could go and do some Dean Smith walk-ons in Norwich nightclub, the chasers. This, this is amusing, Jake. By the way, I've, I googled Darren Eady earlier just to yeah. read a, a few things about him. There's an article on Sky that my mate that my mate wrote. It's just an article on Sky, and uh, you're in one of the photos on FC Kitchen. Yeah. Yeah, that that was the, that was so. As well as working on local TV together, so we we worked doing Norwich together for about three four years. Um, and then when I first moved to London, I was working doing a, a YouTube, a football and food show, and Darren was one of the presenters on on that as well. So then me and Darren then worked on um, this YouTube show for for a little while, and that's where I made this stupid bet on this FC Kitchen um, when I was at Carrow Road with Darren. So yeah, that's the the backstory to that one. I've never even seen it, mate. What so I'm going to have to kitchen? dig out. Which we only did for a year or so, and as you can tell, didn't wasn't hugely successful. Did you have um, Delia Smith on doing no, a few recipes? Well, unfortunately, Delia does very, very little media um, since that famous um, incident. Since she got arsehole and got off. a bottle of wine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's interesting though, again, because having worked at Norwich, I know the the, the head of media um, who. At the time, it was his job to basically say, look, Dean, I don't think this is a good idea. Um, but she was obviously insistent, you know, I own the club, I'm going out there. And yeah, it was um, a guy called Joe. And yeah, <laughs> he was like, Dean, I don't think this is a good idea. And she generally has done next to no media since that point. She's so honestly scarred by that because she's a, a lovely, lovely woman as Delia. But yeah, as um, Rick said so eloquently, she was arsehole. <laughs> she was um, right um, shall we do who are you and then look ahead to Leeds um, yeah do it. we'll do that let's do it uh, Jack cue the music oh god I haven't yeah hold on have you not oh, no no I've got it I've got it oh, have you? who is your daddy and what does he do you're going to have to point to play who is your daddy and what does he do who are you you no not me you yes I am you just answer the damn questions who are you Wait a minute. Who are you? Right then. 
Um, sorry. Um, I am having slight technical issues here, so I can't actually hear the music today. So if you're watching on YouTube, I'm gesticulating, saying, can I can I speak yet? I thought you were asking whether it was playing, so I haven't quite finished yet. So apologies. Oh, I did not. So, yeah, <laughs> sorry. I, hopefully, I'm going to press, I'm going to press stop, because otherwise it'll be in a loop, and we'll have one of those for the last 20 minutes of the show. Just Yeah. Right, is it safe for me to talk and play who are you, yeah? Yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah, right. Okay, Rick, um, you are stepping up to, to Quizmaster duties today, sir. I am indeed. Right then. Got a nice little fancy for you, okay? Down Could be one is. of those that you might get quite easily or we might still be here until midnight. Right. Quite easy to happen for me. Yeah. Okay, so, no, I, I think you might be all right on this one, George. Okay, he was born... On the 24th of July, 1989, so he's 33. Same age as me. throw in where he was born. Brussels in Belgium. Dennis Pratt. Okay. Nicholas Pratt. No. <laughs> None of the Pratts. <laughs> okay, next one. Next clue, okay. And bothered to look after that. Okay. Um, <laughs> nice. Why? We signed him in 2010. And he stayed with us until 2012, but only made eight appearances and scored one goal. Nils Eric Johansson. Is that his name? Swedish. Belgian, Swedish. Jordan. Swedish, Jordan. You are so bad at this game. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if you don't, if you don't guess. You don't get it, do you? So you've got no, to guess. Not, you know, it's it's win it, George. You're right, mate. But Jake thought. Jake thought Denzel from Only Falls Norses looked like Zach Whitbread. So. <laughs> no, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. I literally said I don't watch Only Falls and Norses. I'm not, not having that slander. It's not that Bakayoko guy that was a left back. Was that he wasn't born in? No, no, okay. it's not him. Can somebody remind me 2010, 2012? Were we championship or did that crossover league? That's league one, league? isn't it? it yeah. No, 2010 was. Um, it was the end of Pearson, start Souser. I'm so bad with. Like, so it's a disaster. It's not Danny and Gesson. He's French, isn't he? Yeah. No, but good guess. I'm, I'm more than happy with that one. That's a bit bit closer to it. He only got Very one goal for us, though, this geezer. <laughs> He only got one goal. I've got a good story about Danny and Gesson. One of my good mates used to be his agent. Yeah, go on. I'll, I'll tell you that. No, no, let's go on with it. Is that the story? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, it was just once he um, he rang him up and he, I, was, I think he was boasting. He said, Danny, Danny, it's Chris. Chris, your agent. <laughs> and then he, like, was like, he, got really, he was really annoyed because like, he, made, he made a mug of him. But anyway, carry on. Yeah, uh, eight appearances, one goal, thirty-three. I'm going to get this, but I need one more clue. I must have played early on. One more, Rick. It was five for eight. That's <laughs> <laughs> not helpful. <laughs> that was half a clue. Okay, so he's not right. a centre. He's not a centre back, then, is he? No, he was no. a midfielder. <laughs> Another clue. He looked like Dizzy Rascal. <laughs> Sergio Hellings. No, he didn't play it again. No, he was Dutch. Yeah, no, but he might have been born in Belgium. It's, exactly. it's interchangeable out there, isn't it? True. 
It's landlocked, isn't it? Okay. Yeah. Next clue then. After two loan um, moves away to Doncaster and Chesterfield, he then signed in 2012 for Coventry City, and he did well for Cov. Frank Musa. Really? Frank Musa. Oh. Um, yeah. Do you, know, got it. Do you know what's criminal about that, Rick? What? Is, is I worked for Chesterfield in 2012. Oh, and he got four goals in ten. Yeah, I seem to remember he was absolutely brilliant, but he got eclipsed because Lewis Boamorte signed for us and he just couldn't move. He was terrible at that point. He does look like Dizzy Rascal, though, doesn't he? Well, that wasn't what helped me get it, no. Um, But my my kind of binding memory of Frank Moose was that he should have been so much better. He does look like Dizzy Rascal. Where did we sign him from? Charlton or something? Uh, South End. Yeah, I'm surprised yeah. he only played eight times for us. I remember watching and thinking he's a player. And I, I'm thinking right in saying Rick when he went to Cov, he was he was very good there. Yeah, um, he got like he got like um, 18 goals in 77 games for them, and he was decent. Yeah, mm. I always thought that he he should have played more for us, and we we should have persevered more with him because again, yeah. he was quite young at the time, and I, I thought there was a player there. But yeah, I'm um, surprised he only played eight times, but delighted to get another win. His career is odd as well. If you look through the like, he came through the Anderlecht youth team and then went to West Ham. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, and then he's like Southend, Wickham, Us, Doncaster, Chesterfield, Cov, Charlton, Southend again, Walsall, Gillingham. Bit of shit, isn't it? Yeah, clearly there was a reason why he didn't kick on because he had his ability was better than his career. I think. I think that was quite a good one, Rick. That was good. Thank it was you. That's niche. Like it. Yeah. Happy days. Um, right. So, have a chat about Leeds, shall we? Because, I mean, quite a quick turnaround this one, Tuesday night. Um, big deal, though, in terms of this one, then Fulham, um, and then, of course, then Everton. It's a wonderful opportunity, isn't it, um, to, to get some, yes. some points and to put away from the bottom three. It really is. Um, and Leeds aren't playing very well at all at the moment. Um, George, what do you make of the fact that a, we've got this game on, on a Tuesday, but we've now got so many Monday night games. Do you think this is going to actually play um, in our favour or against us? Because I actually think playing on a Monday night tends to kind of bring, particularly at home, the, the best out of the players. I actually quite like the fact that we're playing on Monday nights at home. Yeah, this time of season, a lot gets made of kickoff times, doesn't it? And who has the, the worst deal of the kickoff times? can work both ways, I suppose, but I think the advantage is you know what you've got to do. So whether we're going into that game, let's say we're going to the Everton game and Leeds have won, or well, it looks like it's just between us, Leeds and Everton now, doesn't it, really? Bournemouth aren't out of the woods, but I'm not worried about them um, immediately. So, yeah, I think, like, so let's say, like, Leeds win at the weekend. We, as an Everton, go into that game um, and we know what we've got to do on a Monday. So we've got, was it Everton, Fulham, Liverpool? Yeah. On Mondays, um, yeah. So. Yeah, you've got the games the wrong way. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. And Newcastle's a Monday as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like if we, if we, if we beat Leeds and we go into, they'll be playing before we play Everton, won't they, Leeds? I don't know who they've got after us, but you, you kind of know what you've got to do. I know like people say, oh, you've got to focus on yourself and don't look at what the other teams are doing, but let's be honest, everyone does. Now we do. Um, yeah, now and we the do. players do as well. Um, it's, it's, it's just PR nonsense, isn't it, when they say, oh, we're only focusing on ourselves. 
Um, so yeah, I, I think like night game under the lights, um, Everton and, and Liverpool on Mondays, in theory, is, is decent. Um, Fulham will be a good one. I'm, I'm not actually going to that, but three o'clock on a bank holiday Monday in May, that'd be quite night at the library. Um, and then Newcastle, after watching today, I, I'm glad I'm definitely not going Newcastle. But um, yeah, I think it can. I think it works in your favour potentially. Um, I don't think it adds any added pressure, really. So I think it can only benefit. Yeah, um, Jack, what do you make of the, the the fixtures now? Because you know, it's it's at that point of the season now where we absolutely should be looking when we're played, who we're played, who everybody else is played. And just refreshing the league table every five minutes. Um, I have to say, I think the the Newcastle game away um, is the only one where I'm particularly fearful. I think you know now we've won that game against Wolves. Now we have a little bit of momentum. We have some kind of platform to build off. And now look at them fixed and think, do you know what? We're, we're all right, and I, I quite like these games. I like when they are and who they're against. I'm absolutely shitting it. Um... <laughs> uh, I, it's, it's football's so annoying, isn't it? You you go through the high of yesterday, and um, we win a game, and you're having a beer after the game, thinking, "Oh, it's great! Like, this is really good." And I wake up this morning, I'll go, "We're playing again on Tuesday night. It's a massive game. Like my emotions going to be all over the place on Tuesday. Probably won't get much sleep after the game because I'll either be pleased we've won, uh, gutted we've lost, or..." Fit, like still being anxious about it if we draw. So, um, I I think I, I um I, I've looked at the fixtures and uh, Wolves is the first team that we've done the double over. If we replicate the fixtures uh, in the last six games from uh, from the rest of the season, we'll get nine points, which would be enough, I reckon. Um, I've also had a quick look at the table today and worked out if thirty five points gets us safe, it it would do in all but one of the last eight years. So, um, so yeah, I think, I, I think the fixtures look good. I think hopefully we can, we can kick on from where we are, but it, it doesn't make me any less nervous. In many ways, I've got hope now, which, which if we'd lost yesterday, yeah. I would just be resigned to going down and foot, hope's the worst thing in football. Um, uh, it, it, because, because that's what gets you. But, um, but yeah, we've, we've got a fighting chance, but we, we're only out of the relegation zone currently on, on goal difference. And we're looking at the Leeds game, thinking that should be should be a shoe in. You know, they're going to get a reaction at some point, I'm sure. So it, it's a huge game. Although hopefully, if we can get Madison and Barnes back, that that makes a massive difference for us because yeah, that's probably not been talked about a lot of of the win in the game yesterday. We've won that without our two two top scorers, our two best players this year, which is which is a credit to all the lads that that played yesterday, really. Yeah, I mean, Rick, it's massive, isn't it? And a, a great point by Jack. We haven't mentioned that at all. No Madison, no Barnes. Um, I don't think we're going to see Pats and Dacker play on, on the wing again. Um, bless him, he, he worked hard. But it's, it's it's not his position, is it? It's it's absolutely massive. We've got those two back. Leeds are playing pretty dreadfully at the moment. Um, of course, you know, people aren't going to get ahead of themselves and think, yeah, this is an easy game. But it is a bloody great opportunity, isn't it, to kick on and get another result. Yeah, it's massive. I think, um, I mean, these two games are going to be pressure situations and we don't deal well in pressure in the last few years. But yesterday, I, I was looking at Dean Smith wearing a cutting and bits. He didn't give a fuck. <laughs> he didn't. The bloke is just, he just 
as honest as the day's long. Like, he's that sort of bloke that, you know, when you go on a stag do and there's dads on there and you, you're absolutely garried out your face and you've been a complete cretin and, you, <laughs> you know, you're into the next day and he's there, arms crossed, not bothered, had best part of 30 points, could still do a crossword and batter you at it. He just, I genuinely think we're in safe hands with him. I do. And he said the right thing. He did, he wasn't he wasn't getting ahead of himself yesterday. He said yesterday means nothing if we don't follow it up. And we've now got two games where they must not lose games. Obviously, if we win them, we're in such a good position. But he won't go into them thinking we can't lose. He'll go into them probably playing four two four again and saying right, we'll take them. And oh. you know, Harvey Barnes is always good for a goal against Leeds, so. Our fanciers, I do. I hope he doesn't Beautiful. play four-two-four because it was the first half was carnage. Like oh, at, at times, it, it, it was complete chaos. Um, and and we haven't really talked much about when I I, I someone I, I got wind that the team might be different to the one that was going round a little bit early, and I, I was I, I couldn't quite believe what what team he put out to start with. It made no sense to me whatsoever, but. At the same time, we've tried everything else and it hasn't really worked this season, so I can't really knock him for for trying something completely, um, completely mental. But yeah, I mean, I quite like the idea of Dak on the wing because we haven't got that much pace in the side without Barnes, so just put put him on the wing. I mean, he wasn't very good, um, no. but I mean, it's it, it sort of it's sort of got something out of, out of them, and he worked quite hard, didn't he? So, um so yeah, and Sumari clearly had a had a really good game. So I mean, who knows what team he's going to put out on on Tuesday night? He might, you know, just not play Madison because he'll keep the same team if they won. I don't know. Yeah, I know that is a bit gonna... fishy. That, bit fishy. Him and Chowdhury were both out ill. Weren't it yesterday? Was mm. Chowdhury out ill? Was he? Yeah, both both live in Nottingham. <laughs> Wonder if they've been on the piss on Friday nights. <laughs> mm. Good spot, Detective Flair. Yeah, you nothing, well, nothing gets past you, you Rick. You can't fucking piss a pisser, can you? Oh no, I've been there. <laughs> We've all been there. I think um, <laughs> Madison and Barnes have got to come back into the team for me. But Rick, yeah. I wanted to ask you something. Your the assessment of Dino is absolutely bang on. Uh, after Tuesday's, uh, was it Tuesday's? No, Thursday's Twitter space. I just want to go for a curry and a few beers with Dino now. Yeah, um, but. I was thinking this earlier, regardless of what division we're in next season, would you keep him? Yes. Change your tune, George. Let, let's well, no, not no. do that yet, though. No, I no, no. We can we not? We've won one game. Can we, uh, can and we not get ahead of ourselves? The sweet beans are made of this. <laughs> if he keeps us up, he does. Yeah. And he has earned the right to have six months it, next year at the job, personally, depends, unless Potter's available. George. I think it depends, right? Because if he keeps us up like Nigel Worthington kept us up, yeah, back, then it's kind of like, okay, yeah. fine, thank you for coming in and doing that. But, you know, we're going to look longer term here. You know, it is one game. And as I alluded earlier, I actually get really good vibes about Dean Smith. I didn't at mm. first. You know, I was very much like, yeah, underwhelmed is, is the most polite way I can put it. But, you know, as I said to Darren, sometimes you just get managers and clubs who are a good fit. And mm. I just get, I mean, they're very, they actually are very different personalities. Um, 
in that Pearson is a lot more abrasive than what Dean is. But I do kind of get that safe, warm, fatherly figure vibes from, from Dean Smith. And I yeah. kind of feel like oh, it may just it. fit. And I might just think that he might just be the manager that we need right now. That, yeah, it might not be someone that's going to take us into Champions League football. But um, I think, I don't know. As I said, it's only one game. So I don't really want to have this conversation right now. But everything I am here in Jordan and the mm. feeling that I'm getting from him, it has flipped completely since the start. And I am liking Same. what I'm hearing and seeing. He's a good, honest bloke, isn't he? he that's what he looks yeah. like. He's he is a good, honest, honest fella. Yeah. Um, uh, so you can't really knock him, I don't think. I think he's definitely, talking like analogies, Rick, you, you can probably add to this one. If Dean Smith goes on holiday, I'm almost certainly owns a pair of like Union Jack Union shorts. Union Jack shorts, 100%. Yeah. You, I he knew what you were going to say. <laughs> I knew exactly I what you were going to say. I just get that vibe. He loves an all-inclusive in Spain, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. what a, he is. He we, is I don't want to edit it, so please don't do an no, all-inclusive analogy. I won't, I won't, but he, he is the 18, 20 stones Sunderland scaffolder. The, uh, <laughs> just, what a man. Oh, that, cannot, you'd have no. sangria with him. You'd have oh, everything. Calamari. He likes no, Calamari. Have that, like, maybe maybe that's what Madison did with it. Not very well. I'd have some <laughs> onion rings with him. Um, loves karaoke. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm not getting carried away on Dean Smith yet, but <laughs> I, I, we'd need to keep John Terry at the football club at all costs, regardless of what division we're in. Like <laughs> the man is, like, he's doing a job with that defence. Um, there was a noticeable, like we actually were getting at the ref yesterday a little yeah, bit yeah. more than we normally do, and we weren't standing for any of Wolves' nonsense because they're a horrible team. Uh, and, and I, they were I, I think, um, them. yeah, there was loads of nonsense. They they, yeah. they do that a lot. Their manager is mm. is horrible at yeah. like that. But um, they, uh, I I I think we need to keep JT at all costs. I, I think that's the sort of character. You know, if if Rogers had employed him a little bit earlier, I think it it might have gone a different way. If, say he brought him in in the summer or something, just to give a different voice in the changing room. So I think the players will listen to him. I think you know Darren was talking about being scared of Martin. You, if Terry goes off at half time, you're listening, aren't you? And you're doing whatever you're told. Um, I've been the told in decent nick. I've been told, Jack, that Terry's not a ranter and a raver, um, which is interesting because a player, he had that but, scary centre half quality. But as a as a coach, he's quite considered and reserved. Yeah, but if he goes, but he's always had that air of him. You would be. Yeah. You would. It was. It's. It's like. Um, it's like a parent analogy, you know. You, you, I was going to say that, yeah. Yeah, so my dad doesn't go off at me very often, but when he does, <laughs> you don't want to be in the room when he goes off. Um, Have we got any update whether John Terry is still living at Seagrave? Has he left Seagrave? Yeah. He was there this morning. He was there. He'd been yeah. for a 5K run this morning. He just so doesn't leave. Interesting, what I found interesting about John Terry as well, if you, if you can watch some of the extended highlights of yesterday as well, that I've seen, they panned to him and he got a, he got his headphones. He's got in. AirPods in. He got his AirPods in, but he was really focused. He wasn't quite like Shakespeare. Like he's obviously, you know, he's got what he's focusing on, and he was so like in the zone. And then like got to half time, I think was one of the clips you see him, and he's straight down there. The man's obviously like, I do think it's the complete package with these three. It's not just you know the manager and a couple of yes men. 
They are, I mean, he, every time Dean Smith talks, he'll, he'll name check John Terry and about organising the defence. Well, when does a manager do that about their staff? They never do. You know, Brendan. I do think it'll be hard to keep Terry because he, he likes living in Surrey and um, in London. Would he want to stay up here? But maybe if you could just keep him part-time, come up for a few days a week, come up for match day, that would probably be enough. You know, if if that's the, I think them three together, we've got to do it. If if he does stay, if big, yeah. big, biggest and disappointment if um, me, yes. Sorry, George, you go. I was going to say, if he's struggling for anything to listen to on the touchline, get the podcast on JT. <laughs> get Rick in it. it that would be amazing, actually, if we got if we got you live streamed into his ear. Yeah, the sort of tactical decisions he would make midway through the game, it would be extraordinarily chaotic. But um, JT, get at the Wolves bench. Yeah. I was telling left-footed wingers, <laughs> it would really go against his <laughs> principles, wouldn't he, at the back? He'd be, oh, get him off. Open another bag of Bombay mix for Shaky. Oh, um, I was going to say there. about Shaky, no, no imagery of him with two balls under his arms, which is no. slightly disappointing at this Shame. stage, I think. Yeah. If we say if we stay up, he's definitely got to do that in the middle of the pitch, hasn't he? Just, on, just yeah, walk around with two pitch. balls. Well, I think he'd need like he would need three or four juggling them under, <laughs> and then get her at the end another. <laughs> right, um, lads. Any other business stage? Because again, we've been really long. Um, yeah. Anything else anybody wants to say? Don't um, have any any of the business. Just that obviously we missed last week's pod. Because, mm. believe it or not, this is not our full-time job. Um, yeah. And Jake was asleep. <laughs> and then, well, and then no, he put his hand he'd, open. He'd yeah. worked himself into um, a massive nap. Mm. Yeah. No, um, Jake, you say we've been really long. But yeah. what people need to remember is yeah. they ain't here for a good time. <laughs> They're here for a long time oh, is with it? us. <laughs> Yeah, I was kind of saying that's my motto, right? Um, and homework for everyone now, and this is something people can get involved with things that we should do if Leicester stay up. Um, I want best suggestions, please. You can just send them on on Twitter. Um, I, I'm very much looking forward to that. Rick is going to have a bath with Bombay mix. I'm not sure I can follow through with a Dean Smith haircut. <laughs> we got to decide, definitely follow through though. Yeah, yeah. Not sure. <laughs> so what would you oh, do yeah. if Leicester stay up? Let us know. I know what we'll do. I've got yeah. one. What four then? IBS sufferers all have to have a chicken fowl. Have you ever had a fowl? <laughs> no. I had a fowl, right? The night before I went to crack off the Euro 2012. I spent ten days on the pan. I was honestly, I was getting, I was getting my, my beers delivered into the trap. It was horrendous. We're doing that. <laughs> Down Paddy. Do you want to do that again? If you stay up, you, you've got to get the job done. I, I had medium in Paddy's last night, and oh boy, it was hot. <laughs> oh dear me! Right, any other suggestions, please? Um, Nobody vote for that one. Uh, let us know. What would you do if Leicester stay up this season? Will you get a Dean Smith haircut or a bath of Bombay mix? Do let us know. Um, shall we do something Twitter spaces, but do it a little bit better um, post-Leeds, yeah. maybe on a, on yeah. Wednesday? 
yeah we'll, we'll we'll look to do that if people want another kind of podcast but not a proper one we'll, we'll look to do that on wednesday if not um could we play on then the monday don't we so we're all yeah, really we're out of whack have now to do tuesday of, yeah the schedule in terms of when we do these podcasts but look we'll send tweets out and try let you know um as and when we do them so look um finally after what was it 10 weeks um got a win uh, out of the relegation zone we'll see where we are next wednesday uh, when we're back with you probably on twitter um good luck to the lads on tuesday at leeds uh, thanks once again to darren Eady for joining us you hope did. you enjoyed him i thought it was great yeah top bloke Eady. and yeah we'll see you all very very soon thanks for listening Casey Kelly, USA, Darren Eady, picture play, Lee Phil Pop had a shot, Danny Tiato. My lover's got no money, he's got his strong beliefs. My lover's got no power, he's got his strong beliefs. My lover's got no fame, he's got his strong beliefs. My lover's got no money, he's got his strong beliefs. One more and more. Just one more and more. Sports Social Podcast Network.